You know, isn't it great to hear about people listening to God's voice and responding? It's great to hear about uh, kids listening to God's voice and responding. And, and there's a couple things. One, um, I hope that you're challenged a little bit to be listening to what God wants to do in your life because it may be different than what you had planned for yourself. Right, Chris and April? <laughs> you know, God has the right to change the direction of our lives anytime he wants. And what's amazing is that it always results in blessing when we are obedient to him. It might not be the way we would have chosen, but it is a better way than what we could have chosen for ourselves. And I want to thank Chris and April and their kids for being faithful to God's call. And for all of you that have, uh, you know, that maybe back in January you committed to give to Mission Forward on a monthly basis and didn't know all of what you're committing to, you're helping us send Chris and April on the mission field to a very difficult part of the world and to reach people that Jesus absolutely loves. And I'm thankful that we get to send them. I do want to say if you want to give and, and maybe you're not a part of Mission Forward or you want to give extra to Chris in April, you can notate that on your giving envelope. You can notate that when you give online. Just go Mission Forward and fill in Hinkles in the, in the comment box um, and you, you can support them in that way as we send them out. So I'm so excited to be a part of a church that is winning in the world. Right, And it's not, I'm not talking just about Sound Life Church. I'm talking about Jesus' church is winning in the world. And it wins against circumstances sometimes that seem overwhelming, right? 99.6%, uh, a whole nother religion, and, and often an aggressive one, right? A, a non-welcoming one. And so I, I just think those seem like overwhelming odds. But Jesus has done a pretty good job of always winning against overwhelming odds, Right? He won over death, he won against sin, all those things, and so we're on a winning team, and, and so Chris and April, we're excited to support you guys. It's, it's going to be awesome. We're excited to hear what the, Lord, what the Lord does. I do have some other good news for you this morning. How many of you could use more good news in your life? Anybody? You like good news? I like good news too, right? I just, I just don't even listen to bad news. I'm like, I don't have time for that. There's, no, there's too much of that in the world. But a couple things that I wanted to thank you for, again, on, on giving and generosity. You know we've been raising money this summer to revamp our kids' auditorium and update that. I asked you to help me finish the project last week over the next month, and you guys clearly thought I was moving too slow because you helped us finish our fundraising this last week, and we have reached our goal. We're going to be able to do the things that we need to do. And, and it's, it's just really exciting. And I just want to say, as, as a pastor, I don't know who gives or how much they give. Because I don't want to be thinking about that stuff. But I do know the numbers as they come in. Our, our finance person updates me on the numbers. And when I see things like that happen, I'm just like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Um, when we say, hey, I, I think God wants us to do this, but we don't know how. And, and together, God puts it on our hearts to do that. And so I do want to say thank you. You're going to see over in two weeks on, on that September 12th fall kickoff, we're going to be able to open our kids' auditorium because it's most of the way done. And then over the fall, we're going to be able to finish that project with some of the media updates and things that we want to do in there to minister to kids, to reach young families. It's going to be awesome. I did have someone ask today, and they said, hey, you know, I, I may not be able to give to that until after um, the, the project is done. And I just 
just want, want you to know, we always do, you know, we bring a budget to you that is a solid budget of what we need, but there's always a wish list of some other things that we could use. And so if you have it on your heart and you're like, man, God burdened me for this and I just haven't had a, time, had, had a chance to get my gift in, hey, we're going to make use of that. And so I just want to, I know a couple people are like, I thought I still had a month and somebody else beat me to the punch. It's okay. We will invest that in that kid's auditorium and there's a lot of things that we can do to reach young families in our community, right? So there's some good news there. I have more good news. Are you okay with more good news? Well, you guys know we, we got to send Pastor Calentina to our sister church, New Life Renton, this last week. But what you didn't know is that we also need new staff members to help do with the work that they were doing. And so over the last six or seven weeks, um, I've been in, in pretty intense interview processes with a lot of candidates from a, around the Pacific Northwest region, even a couple from around the country, and have been really working at filling our staff needs so that we can continue our ministry to this community and this church. And I'm excited to announce to you this morning a couple new staff members that are going to fill those roles the first one is um, a pastor who currently serves at Eastridge Church up in Issaquah in a discipleship and assimilation category, and he's going to be filling a similar role to what Pastor Tina did for us as our next steps pastor, overseeing everything from welcome, new visitors, new believers, to the discipleship process. And you know, we're serious about spiritual growth around here. We're serious about not sitting on our hineys until Jesus comes back. We want to grow and become who Jesus wants us to be. Some of you are like, you need to grow spiritually, Caleb. I know, I know, which is why we need someone else to be our spiritual growth pastor. And so I want to um, show you a picture of Pastor Shannon DeVries and his wife, Tina. And some of you may know Tina from Cascade Christian. She has been the principal the last several years at Cascade Christian Elementary School here on our campus. But her husband has been commuting to Issaquah. That doesn't sound fun, uh, to do his ministry. So he is excited to be joining our team here in a couple of weeks. He'll be here on September 12th. He is a Seahawks fan, so though I will not be wearing a Seahawks jersey, he will be, and uh, excited for you get, to get to welcome them to the team. And then secondly, I, I, we, we also got to hire someone, and I'll tell you what, I've interviewed a couple of people even within our church um, for, for some of these roles, and it's somebody that you know well, and I'm excited to welcome Chris. Sice, who's with us in the service today as our new finance and operations director. And I'll, I'll tell you what, she's an impressive person and a great leader, and I'm really excited to welcome her to our team to oversee our finance and our operations. Um, there's going to be some shifting around on our management team. As we join, Pastor Kenny is going to fill some things that Pastor Cal was helping me with and serve in more of an executive pastor category for me, and so you can continue to pray as we shift through the fall and onboard some new staff members, but I just want you to know, I am amazed. The word says that God gifts leaders to his church to help us become the people that we're called to be. And, you know, I've worked with some leaders before that I'm not always sure that they were God's gift to the church, but it's amazing when God gives quality people with the right heart and the right abilities to lead the church. And so as they join our team over the next month, I want you to welcome them, I want you to love on them, I want you to thank them, and all those things, because um, often there's sacrifices that come when those moves and those shifts are made, uh, but it's, you know, when you have people with the right heart, those sacrifices are always worth it. And so thankful for those team members, and uh, we're going to see the results of their leadership in our community. All right, are we ready for the word? Yeah. 
Anybody? I'm ready to preach. I've been trying to get through all this other stuff so we can preach. Uh, Would you stand with me? Because I think that the Lord wants to do something in us today. I want us to prepare our hearts to receive the word and whatever the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today. Would you put your hands out in front of you in a posture of receiving? And, And Lord, we just come to you this morning and we ask that we would not only receive your word, but your word would find a good soil in our hearts, that those seeds of your word would go down deep and would find good soil and would bear fruit in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, make us a church that prays powerful prayers, that whether anyone ever knows the name or the reputation of Sound Life Church or anyone in it, that they would be influenced by the prayers that are prayed by this church, that our world would be impacted, that our lives would be changed, that our communities and families would be blessed because of the prayers that your spirit prays through us. We are humbled that you would partner with us in your good work in this world. We thank you for it, Lord. We ask that you would equip us to be the people you have called us to be. And I pray, Lord, that where there are hungry hearts, your spirit would speak today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, you know, if, if you have been paying attention to the news or any of the other things, social media, or you've been talking at the water cooler at work or whatever, whatever, anywhere you have gone in the last couple of weeks, it should be obvious to you that we need significant help in the world, don't we? That, that we need significant change in the world. And I don't know what you would put at the top of that list of necessary changes, but at any time in history, there's always a list of things that people who are thinking and watching and praying, and I hope that you are people who are thinking That's become a rare skill in our day, that you are watching with eyes that are bigger than what is just right in front of you, and that you are praying with a faith that God can do something different than what you see in the world around you. But if you are doing those things, you recognize that we live in a world that is desperate for change. And we also know this that we have potential to be a part of that change. But it's not the way that the world thinks that change comes. The world thinks that change comes through achieving power and exercising that power against other people that think differently than you to get what you want regardless of what they want. That's the, world, the way the world achieves change. And they, whether, whether it happens through military power, economic power, personal personality and charisma power, or whatever the other, the, the other ways may be, that power, though, is not the greatest power that we have access to. Because I believe, and the Bible teaches, that the greatest resource that you have at your disposal is something other than human power. Prayer is the most powerful resource that you have at your disposal. The prayers that you pray will have more impact on the world around you than any amount of financial giving, though we talk about the impact of financial giving. It will have more impact on the world around you than any way that your personality is expressed, than any way that you live out your career, your relationships, your choices. Why is that? Because prayer taps into the creator of the universe and has access to every part of the universe. And for some reason, God has decided to withhold his sovereign ability to dictate everything that happens in this world. He has given us choice. We get to make choices, and sometimes we make good choices, often we make 
less than good choices. But one choice that we do have is to access God's power and potential through prayer. It's to connect with God, to partner with God, as he has called and created us to do from the Garden of Eden before sin ever entered the world, to partner with God in what he wants to do in the world. And so when we see a world that needs change, can I tell you something? We can't hide you can't put your, your head in the sand and, and wait for things to go by. And far too often we say, well, the world can go to wherever and, and I'm just going to do me. That's not the calling of God to his people. No, the calling of God to his people is to look where the battle is hottest, where the problems are thickest, and to say, I'm going to go be there and do whatever Jesus calls me to do. That Jesus, where the battle was hottest and the problems were thickest, he decided to come and live among us and to sacrifice himself in every possible way so that change could happen. That's what Jesus calls us to do as well. And so we can't hide, we can't put our heads in the sand, but we also cannot fight the way that the world fights. We cannot just exercise our own power to get what we want, we actually have to listen to Jesus and find out what he wants. We have to partner with Jesus to do what he wants. We have to seek Jesus for what he wants. And when we do that, it results in beautiful change. It re results in redemptive change. It results in healing, not just dominance. It results in joy for all people, not just victory for one. That's the kind of change that the world brings. And I want Sound Life Church to be a powerful church through praying powerful prayers. I want the greatest influence that our church has to be through prayer, that our compassion and the compassion of God would be expressed first in prayer before we get busy with some of the other wonderful, compassionate activities that we engage in, that our giving would be led by prayer rather than just feeling good that we can write a check or, or, or whatever else, that, that our lives, our careers, our families would be sown with the seeds of prayer because it invites God, who is good and powerful, to come and be involved. And we often are influenced to pray by the broken world around us, aren't we? You know, if you've become a, a person of faith, when the world becomes tragic or you face crisis, those are the moments when it's not as hard to pray. But I think while it's normal to want to pray for our circumstances to change, right? We pray for things like COVID to go away. We pray for things like leaders to do what we want them to do. We pray for circumstances around us to change that I think sometimes God brings change a different way. And while our prayers are often motivated, and not wrongly so, motivated by a desire to change the world around us, True world change stems from genuine heart change. And God always wants to start by changing our hearts. I wish that he would start with other people first. I wish that he would change other people's hearts and minds so that they would do what I wanted them to do and make my life comfortable and do it the way I think they should, be, they should do it. I feel like I have a pretty good plan for the world if somebody would listen. Unfortunately, everybody else on social media and in our world is vying for the same, the same ear of the entire world, and only Jesus 
can actually work real change. And so our prayers, though we want world change, God wants heart change. And I want to share with you today, as, as we get towards the end of our, our series on prayer, I want to share with you four prayers that I've been praying for this church over the last year. They're four prayers that I feel like the Lord laid on my heart in some personal devotion time. They're prayers that I pray that will characterize our church and be a part of the DNA of this community. I pray them with you in mind because these are things that I believe God wants for you. And they're things that I think we are meant to want for our families. We're meant to want for our coworkers. We're meant to want for our community and our nation. And we can pray these things accordingly. They're prayers straight out of Scripture. In fact, they're prayers from the book of Ephesians. Uh, similar, and some of them come from the prayer that Pastor Cal talked about last week. He kind of stole my thunder, but when you're preaching your last sermon at a church, you kind of get to do what you want, right? So, <laughs> But you can never hear the Bible too much. And, and so I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians, and I would ask if you have a, have a physical Bible, to underline these prayers. If you have a, a Bible app, highlight these prayers, revisit these prayers, and I want to challenge you parents to begin to pray these scriptures over your children. I want to challenge you to pray these scriptures over your workplace. I want you to pray them for our church. I want you to pray them for whoever you feel burdened for. I want you to pray them for the church in Afghanistan in their time of suffering right now. I want you to pray these prayers, and they are prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, a church that he loved, that he knew personally. And when we find prayers in Scripture, that's a good hint that we should pray those same prayers. There is nothing, I don't think there is any more powerful prayer than when you pray Scripture over a situation. God loves it when we as his children echo him and say, God, I'm taking the prayer mouthed by your heart and I am praying it out of my heart for the situations around me. And the first one I want to point out is in Ephesians 1, verses 16 and 17, where Paul prays this. He says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. Can I tell you, church, in this last year and a half, I have thanked the Lord for you so many times. This community where there has been incredible love and unity and good nature and goodwill and spiritual influence in the midst of difficult times, I am so proud to be a part of this church. And the Apostle Paul felt the same way. He said, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight. Why? So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. And here's, here's what I want us to recognize. I believe that, that we suffer, and we are suffering as a society right now from an incredible lack of perspective. It drives us crazy that we don't have all the answers. Everybody is screaming answers. Most of them, if you listen closely, are not completely logical. But we're screaming answers because we are desperate to have all the answers. We want to know what to do. We want to know who to look to. We want to know who to trust. And yet, as long as we look to human wisdom, it will always be incomplete. In fact, uh, Paul also says in Corinthians that the wisdom of God actually is so deep and so wise and so holistic that it makes the best human wisdom look like foolishness. 
that's not very nice, God. And he's like, I can't help it. I built the universe. I know everything. But what was Paul's prayer for the church? He's like, I want you to know, I want you to have spiritual wisdom, spiritual insight, that there is wisdom that goes deeper than any research project you can engage in. And I'm not saying that there's not a lot of human wisdom in the world. That's not what Scripture is saying either. What we need to understand as believers, though, is that there is always a greater depth of wisdom. God sees to the heart of situations. We see the surface. We need to understand that while we are meant to live within the practical wisdom of of human living, and Proverbs teaches us that, parts of Scripture teach us that, that we need to look to God because God knows more than we do, and we would be wise to say, God, teach me some things I don't already know. Would you give me spiritual wisdom and insight? And do you know what spiritual wisdom and insight is? It's God's perspective. It's the one who sees the entire universe. What does he know and what does he think? It's the one who sees the future and knows the outcome of things. It's the one who knows our past and knows every detail of who we are, how we were made, what's been done to us, what we've done, and what we were created for. And Paul says, I'm praying. I'm praying that God will give you spiritual wisdom and insight. And I pray that over you, Sound Life Church. I pray that God will give you spiritual wisdom and insight. And here's the thing we know about God from James chapter 1, that God loves to give wisdom to those who ask. He loves to give wisdom. But what is the greatest kind of wisdom you could possibly have? The greatest kind of wisdom that we could possibly have is not it's not medical, it's not political, it's not scientific, it's not historical, it's not, it's not psychological. The greatest kind of wisdom that we could possibly have is wisdom and insight into knowing God better. Into knowing God better. Because do you know there's nothing that happens in this creation that is outside of the potential that God put into this creation? That God put into this creation the potential for for good and evil. And though scripture tells us that God does not desire evil, he gave us the option because he believes in personal choice. He believes in personal conscience. He wants genuine relationship, not just robotic obedience. And God loves to cultivate that. And so he cultivated a universe with so many dynamics and pieces. But the way that we get wisdom for this world is by getting knowledge of who God is. That informs how we navigate our relationships. It informs how we make decisions. It informs how we communicate the things that we believe. It informs how we agree with people, how we disagree with people. It informs every part about our lives. And our prayer, when we face difficult circumstances or when we are in good times where we're tempted to be lazy, or maybe that only happens to me, that we should pray, God, would you give me deep spiritual wisdom and insight? Let me know you better because when we know God better, everything else makes more sense. Everything else makes, doesn't mean you'll like it, but it makes more sense. You know, as I've, as I've watched some of these things play out in our society over the last weeks, months, you know, coming up on years with COVID and politics and all the other you know, nonsense that we kind of get bogged down in, don't, don't get me wrong, I have my personal opinions. And I would love to use my soapbox to scream about my personal opinions. I have to fight the temptation constantly to do that. 
And sometimes if you catch me at a bad moment personally, I might do it anyways. But here's the thing that I know. I know that as I've sought God for his perspective, it has calmed down some of my perspectives. It's corrected some of my perspectives. It's taught me to think bigger than some of the, the, the myopic perspectives that are being foisted on us by different voices in our culture. It's taught me that there's more to the world than what happens with COVID or what happens in our government. That when I seek the spiritual wisdom of God, it doesn't make those things not matter anymore. It puts them in proper perspective. It helps me actually fight for the things that matter most, not just fight for my personal opinions. And that is what the people of God should be known for. We should be known for having such deep, unique wisdom that when people said, so which side are you on? How many times was that asked of Jesus in so many different ways, religiously, politically, relationally, so many times. Jesus, are you going to pick A or B? And Jesus was like, first of all, never in a hurry to answer. Had to drive the disciples crazy, right? It's like being fans of a team and you're like, put the best player in. Let the be- give the best player the ball and, and the best player is like wandering off in one part of the field. And then still wins the game at the end. And that's what Jesus always did. He always messed with everybody, and then he never picked option A or option B. Even when it would have made sense. Even when you hear the question, you're like, I know which one Jesus is going to pick. And everyone in those stories thought they knew what Jesus was going to pick. And what does he always do? He's like, in my kingdom, we do it this way. Option C through Z. Far more complicated than our little polarized opinions, Jesus has a much greater depth of spiritual wisdom and insight. And because of the cross, because of the resurrection, because of the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, you have access to the same spiritual wisdom that made Jesus so unique in his society. Here's the difference though. Jesus spent 30 years seeking God for that spiritual wisdom before he opened his mouth. Ooh! I like to open my mouth after about 30 seconds if I wait that long. We need to seek God for spiritual wisdom and insight and recognize that on the surface level, everything that we see on the surface in the world around us are pawns in a great spiritual war. They are not the most significant things. They're important, but they're secondary to the most significant things. We need spiritual wisdom and insight. So I want to challenge you on a daily basis, a regular basis, to pray this prayer and ask God to give you spiritual wisdom to know him more and to live out that knowledge. To know Jesus more and to live out that knowledge. Ask him. Say, God, man, this is overwhelming. God, I have these strong opinions. God, everybody's against me. God, I don't know what to do in this situation. Don't just give me what I want. Give me spiritual wisdom and insight. I want to know you better, God. I want to see who you are. I want to know, Jesus, what would you do in my situation right now? Help me to do it. And Jesus is like, That's the prayer I've been waiting to answer. Jesus did not wait to come at a moment in history when all of the politics and all of the warfare and all of the disease and all those things were gone and taken care of. He's like, thank 
God, I don't have to deal with that. No, he came when all of those things were in existence and everyone was so disappointed that he didn't figure it all out while he was here. Because Jesus had spiritual wisdom and insight and he knew that rather than change the circumstances around him, he needed to give people the ability to change the heart inside of them. And that is what Jesus did. And that is what we are called to do as well. The next prayer is Ephesians 1, 19 through 20, a couple of verses down. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And do you know where that, that is where Jesus is right now? He's on the bench, the greatest spiritual bench in history, but he's on the bench watching his team play the game that he started, and there will come a time in the final minutes of the game where Jesus will come off the bench, and he will win the game once and for all. But right now, he sits with all power and all authority on the heavenly throne next to God his Father. And do you know what they're doing right now? You know what Jesus is doing? He's advocating for you. He's rooting for you. He's like, Father, watch this one. Father, watch my brother. Watch my sister. Watch your children, Father. Watch what they do with your spirit. Watch what they do with my grace in their life. Watch what they do following my example. And probably more often than that, he has to say, okay, Father, just give them time. Hey, Father, this is gonna work out. Watch. Hey, Father, our spirit's working on them. They're gonna figure it out. And that's why you and I need to seek understanding. We need to pray that God will help us to comprehend his power and what to do with it. And I want to challenge you to add that prayer to your prayer list, to pray that scripture, to ask God to help you comprehend and apply his power in your life. Ask him to. Ask him to help you comprehend it. Ask him to help you apply it. And, and here's the thing. We like to watch way too many movies. I've realized that so much of how I think scripture is going to play out is informed by the films that I've watched. I know, it's sad. You too. What we need to do is ask God to help us understand how his power plays out. Because Jesus' power played out differently than everyone expected. Jesus you know, was casting out demons instead of conquering armies. He was conquering the spiritual army behind the physical army. Jesus was healing the sick, not just erasing disease, because he was healing souls, not just removing discomfort. Jesus, in every way, exercised power, but he didn't do it the way we exercise power. He didn't do it for his own self-interest. Jesus didn't defend himself, though he could have. Jesus had access to an army of angels, Scripture tells us, and he didn't call on them for his own sake. Jesus understood power, and he understood how to apply it, and we are called to do the same. The interesting thing is that Jesus, through his suffering, conquered everything that we hate. Jesus overcame human sin. He overcame shame and guilt and depression and bitterness and conflict and lust and greed, the things that dominate our souls. Jesus conquered those things. And then Jesus 
went to be with the Father and poured out his spirit, and he goes, now you guys do it. But most of us walk around and we say, man, I can't wait till I get to heaven when there's no more suffering, no more pain, no more evil, no more darkness. I can't wait till I get there. And Jesus is saying, you have access to it right now. Like my kingdom already came. Now there's this in-between time because there's two kingdoms at war with each other behind the scenes in everything right now. But the old kingdom... The kingdom of the devil is passing away and the kingdom of Jesus is coming and when Jesus returns, there will only be one kingdom at that point. Jesus' kingdom. But in the meantime, Jesus is saying, hey, I've given you my kingdom, walk in it. I've given you my power. You can overcome sin. You can overcome weakness. You can overcome depression. You can overcome rage and bitterness and all of these other things. You can overcome that. How? By your own strength? No, we are really bad at that. But we overcome it by the power of Jesus. Not to mention, in a world that is in conflict, we can overcome conflict with love and peace by the power of God. We can overcome those things by the power of God. Chris and April can go to a world that is literally at every level dominated by a false religion. And by the love and power of God, they can overcome. And you know what? As we face, maybe for the first time in your lives, more of a reality of a world that is dominated by ungodly thinking, you're not going to overcome with money, with politics, with good arguments, you're not going to overcome. You're going to overcome by the power of God to change you. And as you pray, it changes others. That is how we overcome. And so you need to ask God to help you comprehend and apply his power in your life. I want to skip over to Ephesians 3. And in Ephesians 3, he says this in verse 18 And 19, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Do you know what I love about that? Nothing in this world can take life and power away from you. True life, true power cannot be taken away from you because it comes from God. But we actually have to come to God to receive it. We actually have to come to God to get it. And we've made love a cheap emotional thing in our culture. We've made love like a fleeting thing. Like, well, when you have it, it's nice and it feels good. And when you don't have it, it's kind of sad. But like, it's just an emotional thing. And what the, when the Bible talks about love, it's not an emotional thing. Love is a thing of the will. Love is a thing that saturates the soul. Love is one of the most powerful forces in all of existence. Love can change everything. And when you understand the depth of God's love for you, and I want you to know this, you might be the, like, the, the strongest, toughest, you know, hardest, most confident person in this room or listening online today, and I want you to know, when you experience the love of Jesus, it's overpowering. When you experience the love of Jesus, it puts everything else in perspective. In fact, when you stop, or when you experience the love of Jesus, you stop caring about all the other things that you cared about so strongly. 
You know, when I'm actually walking in a sense of Jesus' love, I, I can walk through situations and people can be like, Caleb, you're wrong. And I'm like, okay. Caleb, you're stupid. Okay. Caleb, your life is not going to work out the way you want it to. Okay. Do you know why those things unfaze me in that moment? Because the Jesus, the, the Jesus love that he has for us literally satisfies every possible need that we have. Take, take everything away. Jesus loves me. It sounds trite, I think, because we, you know, we sang it in too many kids' songs or something, but literally the power of Jesus satisfies the cravings of your soul. You don't need the things that you think you need. You need Jesus' love. And that's why Paul prays for the church that they will understand the depth of God's love for them. And my prayer for you is that, and that should be your prayer. Ask God, I dare you, ask God to show you the power the power and depth of his love. And look out. Spend time waiting for it. Sit there and say, Father, I'm waiting for you to show me the depth and power of your love and let it satisfy your soul. And the last one I want to share with you this morning, a few verses down from there in verse 20, says this, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Here's, that prayer is different than the first three because that prayer is not about you. That prayer is not about you. You don't pray that prayer expecting to get anything out of that prayer because that prayer is about God. That prayer is for God. That prayer is praying that God gets what he wants and what he deserves. That is actually a selfless prayer. It's a prayer for God. Why? Because he created everything that is good. He should get some credit for that. Because he died to redeem everything good when it had been tainted by evil. He should probably get some credit for that. That he actually overcame everything that is evil, and he never did anything evil himself. He should probably get some credit for that. Sometimes it's good for us to pray simply that God gets credit for his goodness in the midst of all of the ugly stuff in the world. And this prayer, I love it, he says, all glory to God who's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And I'm thinking, sweet God, you can do way more for me than I could ever ask or think. And you know what, God often does that. Way more for me than I could ever ask or imagine. But do you know, the way that we need to be praying right now in our world, the way that you need to be praying in your workplace with difficult decisions you have to make, the way you need to be praying for your family that maybe is torn apart by different arguments, the way that you need to be praying that COVID works out in our community, the way that we need to be praying first and foremost is that God would do something good that we can't even imagine and he would get all the glory for it. We need to be praying that every evil circumstance in our world will be steered to, towards something so good that God gets glory for it. Do you know, I don't believe that God starts, initiates, creates every evil thing in the world. I'm a really bad Calvinist if you're familiar with that theology. I believe that God created a world with choice and capacity and here's where God exercises his absolute sovereign power because he could dictate everything if he wanted to. 
He exercises his sovereign power to make sure that no matter how many people jerk the wheel the opposite way from what he wanted, that he can always steer it back on course. And we will end up where he wants it to be. The world will end up where he wants it to be. But our part in that is to pray, as we look at all the messed up things in the world, God, steer this back for your glory. God, steer this back on track. God, you said that you can bring good out of anything. Somehow bring good out of this. God, I don't know how you can bring good out of COVID, but bring good out of COVID. I don't know how you can bring good out of political conflict in our nation, but bring good out of it. God, I don't know what you're going to do. I can't ask it because I can't think it. I can't imagine. Imagine it, but your word says that you can do something glorious in the midst of our evil, pain, brokenness, darkness. And God's saying, really, do you believe that? Is there anybody who believes that? Will I find anyone under the sun that has faith that I can still do good in a broken world? He's looking for his people to believe that. He's looking for his people to stop whining and screaming and crying about their personal rights not being met. About them not getting their way and to start screaming and praying and saying, God, will you please reach our nation? Will you reach our world? Will you show your goodness? Will you please, Father, show your grace? Because apart from you, we have no hope. And when Jesus finds prayers like that, he answers prayers. He answers prayers. But will he find us faithful? Will he find you faithful? Or will he find you angry and bitter? Will he find you crying out to him? Will he find you looking to a kingdom that is not of this world? Or does he find you only fighting for one temporary kingdom or another? Guys, I have my own personal opinions too. I have my preferences. I worry about the future of this nation for my children. I worry about the health of people that I love. But can I tell you, I'm far more concerned about whether God's kingdom is known, whether his love is experienced, whether his power is felt, whether the kingdom of God is made known. Because at the end of the day, you might not die of COVID, but you're going to die of something. You know, and, and at the end of the day, you know, you might be worried about the government taking all of your rights or the government not taking care of you at all. Tell you what, it doesn't matter. It matters doesn't matter that much because if you don't know what God has for you there's nothing a government can or can't do to you there's nothing so church when I call us to prayer and fasting I want you to know it's it's not because I don't care about the other things I want you to know it's because it is the only way that our people get healed. It is the only way that our nation finds restoration. We are in a desperate time, and we need to rise up to the occasion and seek Jesus like never before. Do you know the great theologian J. Edwin Orr, he said, every spiritual awakening in history has come at dark times when God's people join together in united, determined prayer. Are you praying determined? Is it more important to you than the other things in your life? Because if it's not, I'm telling you what, it needs to be. It needs to be. And so we need to ask God. We need to ask God to steer our circumstances to outcomes that show his awesomeness. 
You know, we need good news. We need hope in the world. You know what gives the world hope? God's awesomeness. God's glory is the greatest hope that we can set our hearts and our eyes on. This is the word of God to us, church. It's the word that calls us and convicts us and challenges us and changes us and brings us back to bear on what really matters. It's God showing us a little glimpse of his wisdom, of his love, of his power, and of his glory. And that is worth living for. That is worth loving the unlovable for. That is worth sacrificing everything for. And I'll tell you what, that's worth whatever the Holy Spirit asks you to do, being obedient to do it. But we have to rise to the occasion. We have to rise and open our hearts and go boldly before the throne of Jesus and seek his face. And you won't regret it. And I bet a few years from now, I bet a few years from now we'll all look back and we'll probably all have a few things that we can say, I was wrong about that. Might be good for you to humble yourself now so it doesn't happen later. You know, there will be some surprises along the way. But what I want to do is I want to look back and know that I gave God every chance to build his kingdom in my sphere of influence. I want you to know the same thing. I want Sound Life Church to be a force of love and peace and supernatural love, power, and wisdom in wherever you go on Monday morning, wherever you go for lunch later today, wherever you go, that it's God's kingdom that is your greatest concern. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today. And Father, would you forgive us for all the times that we have only fought for our, our own kingdoms? Would you forgive me for the times that I've only defended my own perspectives? Father, would you forgive your church in this nation for all of the times we've only thought about ourselves? And Father, would you give us eyes not only to see other people, but most of all, would you give us eyes to see you? Would you give us spiritual wisdom and insight to know you better, that we might live like you in a world that desperately needs you? Father, would you give us insight into your power to overcome things, how you win battles, how you overcome, and help us to overcome your way, not our way. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see your love, and I pray, Father, that we would not satisfy ourselves with the things of this world, but we would press in until we are satisfied by your love alone. And Father, in the midst of messy circumstances, difficult decisions, challenging environments and work and family and society, we pray that you would steer all these things for your glory, that people would know that there is a God in heaven who loves them, who died for them, and who they owe all of their allegiance to. So Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you have done. Pour out your spirit on us as we go out to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.